Hello once again, dear coyotes and gray wolves class. Miss Catalic here, just sitting out on her front porch, looking as the day goes by. As some of you probably know, I live in an area that gets a lot of foot traffic. I see so many people coming and going each day on their way to and from the Legacy Trail. Oftentimes, I get to see children who go to our school. And sometimes, I just get to see other people that I don't know, but who always are so kind and smile and wave. I really love living on such a busy street because it's not so much car busy as it is people and pet busy. And I really enjoy people and their animals. Well... We're here today for another chapter of Tall and his marvelous adventures with Noomzor Noom. I really hope you enjoyed listening to chapter 9. My favorite part of that chapter was listening to how Millie Tinkle and Noomzor Noom and Tall were taken so far up past Earth into the Milky Way. How Tall got to play with that comet. When I was really little, I used to always want to be an astronaut because I was so mesmerized by the stars and the planets and comets and shooting stars. My dad used to take me out to fields with my sister and brother anytime there was a meteor shower or if there were multiple planets out in the sky at, at once. It was something that I'll never forget. So listening to that chapter made me think back to when I was a small kid and how fascinated I was by all of those things. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I'm also really glad that Zan did not stay a frog. Thank goodness. Well, it's time to listen to chapter 10. So get cozy, get comfy, maybe get a glass of tea or some popcorn and grab your sister or brother, mom or dad, or the whole family and get ready to listen to chapter 10. While they were sitting on the shore of the Jade River that evening, a boat suddenly came into sight it was a beautiful boat, all made of turquoise, with red sails the color of wine. It moved up the river slowly, for there was not much wind to blow it along. And when it came near to where Nooms or Noom and Tall were sitting, the old man got up and shouted at the top of his lungs. The captain of the boat heard him and turned in toward shore, and pretty soon the boat was so close to land that Nooms or Noom was able to speak to the captain. We have been left here by a bird, said Nooms or Noom. This basket is our boat, but unfortunately we have no oars and we have no sail. If you are going up the river, would you mind taking us along? You will be doing us a great favor. The captain said, I am going as far as the waterfalls. Beyond that place, no one goes. If you wish to come, I shall be glad to take you. 
and he brought his boat to shore. Then Noomzor Noom thanked the captain, and he and Tall and Millie Tinkle got on board. They tied the golden basket out behind, and in that way they started up the Zul River. This boat that they went on was loaded with pebbles, and that was all. There was nothing else on board. And when Tall saw so many pebbles, he said to the captain, Why have you got all these pebbles on board? Where are you taking them? The captain said, This cargo of pebbles is going up to the Whimsies, who live under the waterfalls. The Whimsies take the pebbles and coat them with jade in a way that only they know to do. After the pebbles have been coated, I take them back and sell them for beads to make necklaces. Who are the Whimsies? asked Tall. I've never heard of them before. Where do they live and what do they look like? They are little people that live up behind the waterfalls, said the captain. You'll see what they look like when we get there. It's better that I shouldn't try to describe them, because they don't look like any other people. Are they big or small? asked Tall, who was curious to know more. Small, said the captain. But don't ask me any more questions. You'll see them tomorrow. That night they slept on the turquoise boat, and in the morning Nooms or Noom went to the captain and said, You have been kind enough to take us along without pay. Tell me, is there anything I can do for you? Yes, there is, said the captain. If you don't, time if you don't mind telling me, I should like to know who you are and from what place you've come. Well, said Nooms or Noom, my name is Nooms or Noom, and my home is Troom. Have you heard of that place? Yes, said the captain. I have heard it spoken of, but I have never been there before. I didn't know that anyone ever left that place. Sometimes we do, said the old man. And he went on and told the captain why he had been traveling all over the world. He told him about Tall and Millie Tinkle, and he showed him how the donkey could talk. When the captain heard all this and saw what kind of passengers he had on board, he was glad that he had taken him along. He said, Indeed, I am fortunate to have you on board. In all these years that I have been on this river, I have never met anyone like you. I myself love a good story better than anything else. And if you would read one of yours, I shall feel more than repaid for what I have done. So if you wish to, read one to me. If not, you don't have to. That's easy, said Noomzor Noom. You ask for little in return for all the trouble we have caused you. I have a long story that I think you will like. If you have time, I shall read it to you. I have, said the captain. With these words that the captain spoke, Noomzor Noom got up and uncovered the crystal block. Then he asked Tall to sit and listen. While he started to read, the captain, the story of Sar, Nar, and Januk. There were three brothers who lived in a village with their mother. Their names were Sar, Nar, and Januk. Sar and Nar were much older than Januk, and Januk was lame, for he had a crooked leg. Even though he was lame, he was the one who did all the work. Sar and Nar played all day and had a good time, while Januk stayed at home and helped his mother. 
When he did play, he had only such toys as his brother had cast aside. He never had any new clothes, because he always wore the ones that had become too small for Sar and Nar. Chinook hardly ever went outside, for he was ashamed of being lame and different from the other boys. Time passed. Sar, Nar, and Chinook grew up. Sar became sixteen, Nar fourteen, and Chinook was only ten. One night, while they were all sitting at home, they heard a feeble rapping at the door. Then the door opened, and an old man came in. He was tired and thin, and his shoes were all worn out from walking. He said, I am old and have come far. Will you let me spend the night in your house? Sar said, We are poor, and all we have is what you see. We have no bed for you, nor can we give you anything to eat. Nar said, There is an inn at the next village. If you go there, you can get a place to sleep, and you can buy yourself some food. After these two brothers had spoken, Janook said, My bed is small, but you may have it tonight. I shall sleep on the floor. If my brothers won't give you food, you can have my supper. And he welcomed the old man and invited him in. When Sar and Nar saw how kind Janook was, they were ashamed of themselves. At once they begged the old man to spend the night, saying that they would give him anything he wanted. So in he came, and they treated him the way an old man should be treated. They cooked a large supper, and they all sat down and ate. After supper, the stranger said, You have treated me well. If you wish, I'll tell you a story. We'd love to hear one, said the boys. So the old man began. Far, far away, there is a country where only animals live. As there are no people to be cruel to them, all the animals are very happy. They talk and live just like people do, and they do only what they wish. The donkeys have no loads to carry, the horses no carts to draw, and the oxen no plows to drag. Even the wild animals are tame and go about peacefully among all the other animals. Once, a cat that lived in this kingdom of animals got lost, and he could not find his way home. So he wandered and wandered, until he wandered far away into a strange land. The land that he came into was ruled by a cruel king. And when the cat came there, one of the king's servants caught him and took him to the palace. The king, seeing how beautiful the cat was, kept him for himself. He ordered his men to feed the cat on milk and meat, and everything else was good. After a while, the cat tired so much of good food, and he thought to himself, It is very fine of the king to feed me so well, but it is easy for him to give freely of such things as money can buy. It would be better if he fed me less and paid me more attention. This he cannot do, for his heart is hard. He has never once petted me. He has never once spoken a kind word to me. And he has never once even taken me up into his lap. Instead, he teases me and scolds me. And often he loses his temper 
and kicks me cruelly for the things that I have done. I don't like to live with such a person. If the king cannot love me with his heart, why does he bother with me at all? He can keep his food. I don't want it. So the cat was unhappy. He avoided the king as much as possible and spent most of his time seeking some way out of the palace. Now, this king had a big garden, and at the end of the big garden near the palace was a little garden, all walled in with high stone. No door opened into this little garden, and no one knew what grew inside, for there was only one way of looking in, and that was from a small window in the king's bedroom. But no one dared look out of this window, for fear of having his head chopped off. So the secret of the little garden remained unknown to all but the king himself. That the little garden did hold a secret was admitted by all who lived in the palace. Some said that the king had treasure there, buried under the roots of a tree. Some thought that the whole garden was filled with gold pieces. Others said that bins packed with jewels were kept there. Different as these stories were, all agreed on one point, that in the little garden, the king had something that was the source of great, great wealth. For otherwise, where did all his money come from? The cat had not been in the palace long before he too became curious about this little garden. So one night he crept into the king's room and hid under the bed, hoping for a chance to look out the window. But no sooner had he gotten into the room than he was seized with fright and did not dare go to the window. So he stayed under the bed, and there he waited. The king came to bed. In the middle of the night he got up, dressed, and went into the corner of the room, where he slid back one of the great stones in the wall. Then he disappeared, and the cat could hear him tiptoeing down a long flight of stairs. With a bound, the cat was up on the windowsill, and there in the little garden he saw the king. He was walking around picking fruit off of a tree that looked like a big apple tree. When the king had picked an armful of fruit, he left the garden and started back up the stairs. But before he reached the room, the cat opened the door and ran down the hall just as far as he could. So really he did not see what kind of fruit it was that the king had in his arms. For days and days the cat could think of nothing but the little garden. He was not so interested in the fruit as he was in the tree itself. Because the cat knew that if he could get down into the garden, climb the tree, and jump to the wall, there may be some hope of his escaping. He thought and thought about it until he made up his mind to try. After that, he was somewhat happier, for he felt he would not have to put up with the king's cruelty much longer. Well, one day, the king had been more cruel than ever to his cat. He had beaten him and kicked him and even gone so far as to twist his tail to make him scream. The cat, who was no longer able to bear such treatment, 
decided to run away that very night. So again he hid under the king's bed, and there he waited for his chance to get to the garden. As was his custom, the king got up in the middle of the night and opened the stone in the wall. The cat waited until he could hear the king's footsteps no more, and then he sneaked down the stairs and out into the garden. And before the king knew what was happening, the cat climbed up the tree and ran on one of the branches. There he stopped long enough to bite off a small sprig. The next minute he leaped and landed on top of the wall and bound out of sight. So he ran away from the king, and the king was sorry he had not treated the cat better. The cat ran and ran. He never stopped, until one day he found himself back in the kingdom of the animals. What he did with the sprig, no one knows for certain, but it is believed that he planted it, and that it grew into a tree just like the one in the king's garden. People think this because in a few years, the kingdom of the animals became very rich, much richer than it had ever been before. And the only way to explain this would be that the cat planted the sprig that he stole from the little garden, and that the sprig grew into just such a tree as was the source of all the king's wealth. Word of how the rich all the animals were came to the ears of the cruel king. When he heard it, he sent army after army to try to conquer the kingdom of the animals. But always these armies were beaten by the wild animals until the king lost so many men that he had to give up the fight. Since then, few men have started for the kingdom of the animals to look for the tree. Only two or three have ever found the kingdom, and of those who got there, none have seen the tree. But probably it is still there, waiting for the right person to pick a sprig off it. All the animals guard it closely and do not like to have people trying to find it. So perhaps it's just as well that more men have not set out to go to the kingdom of the animals. Thus the old man spoke. And when he had finished his story, Sar asked, Is it really true that there's such a place? How much money do you think there is in the tree? The old man said, That I do not know, but I do know that there is such a place. If I picked a sprig, could I plant it and become rich? asked Nor. Yes, said the old man. Then the older two boys asked how to get there, and the old man told them. They asked how much money they could make and what the tree was like, and all they could think of was the fortune that would be theirs if they found the tree. But Janook remained silent. He said nothing. His mind was full of thoughts about the animals. He longed to see them, and live for a while in their kingdom. Whether he found the tree or not made little difference. But with all his heart he longed to see these animals. To him, that would be much better than any money in the world. That night the old man slept in the house, and early the next morning he went away. No sooner had he gone than Sar and Nar talked of setting out to find the tree. Janook wanted to go with them as far as the kingdom of the animals, 
But they laughed at him and said, How could you go? You are small and lame. We could not be bothered taking you along with us. If we go, you have to stay here with mother. And they bragged and boasted about how strong they were and how they could do what no one else has ever done before. Finally, their mother got so tired of hearing them talk that she told them, just go. She made them each a new suit and gave them each a strong pair of shoes. And then she prepared food for them to have on the way. And she sent them off with her blessing. And so they left home in high spirits, promising to come back with all the riches in the world. Janook stayed with his mother. A year passed, and no word came from Nar or Sar. It was the spring of the second year, when one day Janook was out in the fields blowing soap bubbles. He had a beautiful big pipe that belonged to Sar, and the bubbles he blew were almost as big as Janook himself. As they drifted away in the breeze, he ran after them as best he could, laughing and singing all the time, for he had never been so happy. Finally, he decided to see how big a bubble he could actually blow. He dipped his pipe in the soap suds and blew and blew with all his might. He blew so hard that before he knew it, he blew himself right through the stem of the pipe and into the soap bubble. When he looked out, he saw the fields and trees sinking away below him. Thousands of rainbows seemed to be dancing all around. Higher and higher he went, until his own house was just a speck on the ground. Then he saw a lot of mountains slowly drift by and fade in the distance. Soon, he was clear out over the deep blue sea, and in every direction he looked, he saw nothing but water. All the time the big soap bubble was rocking back and forth like a cradle. This made Janook sleepy. He could stay awake no longer, so he curled up in the bottom of the bubble, closed his eyes, and went to sleep. All the time that Noom's or Noom had been reading the story, the sound of the distant waterfalls had been getting louder and louder. By the time he reached the part where Janook went to sleep in the bubble, the roar of the waterfalls was so loud that the old man could not make his voice be heard above it. So he stopped reading and said, There's no use of my reading any more. There's too much noise. That's a good story, said the captain. I wish you could finish it. I can't, said Numzor Noom, at least not right now. Hardly had he spoken these words and put away the crystal block when the ship rounded a bend in the river, and there, right ahead of them, were the falls. They were higher than any waterfalls in the world, and the cliff that made the jade water fall over it was made of rock as black as ink. For a while, Tall looked at it in amazement, and then he said, I really like those falls. But where are the whimsies? The captain shouted, Look in the water and you'll see them. Tall did as the captain told him. He looked into the water near the falls, and there he saw thousands of little people. Their bodies were bluish green, and their heads looked exactly like little bubbles. 
They were swimming and turning somersaults and flips and cartwheels in the water. And every now and then, some of them would climb out onto the rocks and dive back in. I've never seen any people like them before, said Tall. Don't they do anything but swim and dive in the river? Well, that's all they do in the daytime, said the captain. They love nothing more than that. At night, they go to their houses and work coating pebbles with jade. Where are their houses? asked Tall. In the cliff behind the falls, said the captain. You'll see them in a minute. The boat sailed around one end of the falls and went in behind them. And then everything became green, for all the light was colored by the water that it shone through. Behind the falls was a wide, deep pool that ran along the foot of a cliff. It was in this cliff that the Whimsies lived. Each one of them had a little hole in the rock, and each hole had a little golden door that opened and shut with a latch. In front of the rows of holes were ledges, wide enough to stand on, and in the rock were cut steps, leading from ledge to ledge, one above the other. The whole face of the cliff back of the falls was covered with rows of holes and ledges. In all, there must have been ten thousand whimsy houses. Along this cliff the ship stopped. The captain and his men got out, and they went from hole to hole. They reached into each hole and took out a handful of jade-coated pebbles. And in their place they put a handful of ordinary pebbles. All day long they worked without stopping, and Tall and Nooms or Noom helped. By night all the pebbles from the boat had been exchanged for jade beads. Then the captain said, We must be going. I don't dare stay here after dark. Do you wish to go back to with us? No, thanks, said Nooms or Noom. We'll stay here. But how about the rest of the story? I'd like to hear it, said the captain, but I haven't got time. It's late now, and unless we get out from here before dark, we shan't be able to find our way down the river. Don't let us keep you, said Nooms or Noom. Just leave us anywhere here. So the captain sailed over to where there was a flat rock, and there he left Tall, Nooms or Noom, and Millie Tinkle with their golden basket. After he was certain that he could do nothing more for them, he sailed out from behind the falls and went away. As soon as the boat had left, Nooms or Noom took Tall to another part of the cliff, where the captain had not been. And there, at the foot of the cliff, he showed him three big holes that looked like caves. Out of each one, a river of green water was pouring into the pool behind the falls. Nooms or Noom looked at them and said, We must go up one of those underground rivers. One of them leads to Troom, but I'm not sure which. The other do go to places from which no man has ever returned. How will we find out which is the right one? asked Tall. I'd really hate to go up the wrong one. And how are we going to get up it? Nooms or Noom said, The Whimsies know. If we are nice to them, they will tell. They will even pull us up in our golden basket. If they won't tell us, we must stay here. You mean we'll never get to Troom? said Tall. After all of this, 
I would not like that. We'll get there all right, said Noom or Noom. It's just a matter of time. Then they went back to the flat rock and sat down to wait until evening came. For as soon as the sun began to set, the whimsies always left the water and came back to their home in the rock cliff behind the falls. <laughs>